This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Kane in the pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked! And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Empty backfield now for Minshew. Takes the snap, throws a quick one, and that's picked off by Marshawn Lattimore! Big six! Welcome back, Marshawn! That's how you do it! Happy New Year, baby! You mean like that? Just like that. Hey, that happened. Welcome in to Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak. I'm your host after, you know, what can only be described as a good win for the Saints. There haven't been a lot of them but a majority of them have come in the last two weeks because the Saints have suddenly won three games in a row, and now it doesn't matter because for whatever reason, whenever the Saints need help from somebody, they don't get it. But we're going to get into more of that. Again, my name is Jeff Nowak, digital sports producer for WWL. Steve Geller is probably flying right now. We're going to get into what happened in this game, and we're going to rant a little bit complain a little bit, and, uh, you know, do a lot more of that. But first things first, just remember the second half of the show is going to be a mailbag. I'm sure there's going to be more fire Dennis Allen, but hey, you can't honestly think it's going to happen now, right? So like, I guess we can all kind of just take a breath. But yeah, make sure to get that in there. And in the back half of the show, I will get to it. But yeah, the first first segment here is just going to be a bit of a rant. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm a little tired. Yesterday was New Year's Eve which, you know, keeps me up past my bedtime. Today I was up 8 a.m. hosting First Take with Steve Geller, and then obviously the game, and I'm working. I'm on hour 10 right now, so bear with me, Um, and we're going to get into this. But, you know, the first thing I do want to mention is this is a team that throughout a lot of the season you could say, what is the identity of this team? What do they do well What do you envision as kind of the top end version of this team? And in every single answer to that question, you would go back to this is a team that relies on its defense. And this is a team whose best defensive player is Marshawn Lattimore. And 
it was difficult to kind of identify or quantify rather kind of just how much he meant to that group from a swagger perspective, from a big play perspective, from just the idea that you can't throw at that guy. And that's the difference in this game. This was a essentially a shot-for-shot remake of what happened in Week 13 against the Bucks. There was two main differences. One, the quarterback on the opposite side was Gardner Minshew. <laughs> that's obviously a big difference. But two... Marshawn Lattimore was in this game and in a position to make a big play and change it for the better. And that is why the Saints won this game, right? If you don't, if you're just playing defense and you're just going, going, going down the line, Eagles are probably going to pull this one out. The Saints offense was dead in the water in terms of being able to pass protect. If you had to force Andy Dalton to sit back there and get teed off on in order to try to win this game with his arm, you're going to have a hard time. The best he could do was not make mistakes as he's getting Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick breathing down his throat. Like, that's what's going to happen. This is the team that leads the league in sacks, and you're going in there with three backup offensive linemen. You're going to have a hard time. And the Eagles did have seven sacks today. But when it came down to it and you needed someone to make a play, it was Marshawn Lattimore reading a key that he had already identified and stepping in front of a pass that it that's just a play that a playmaker makes, right? And that's the difference. You did not have that against the Bucs in week 13. I think if Marshawn Lattimore's there, you don't blow that lead, right? And this is a team that understands it needs to win on defense and you need your best players to win on defense. And so you can talk a lot about, you know, why is this team struggling? Why has it struggled throughout the season? Not having Marshawn Lattimore since week five has been a major thing for this team. And, you know, I think this game this game kind of shows that. You know, I don't think this game hides all of the warts that this team has encountered throughout the season. But it does show you kind of an image of what this team was supposed to look like. And here, here's Marshawn kind of talking about that process that it took to get, to get back. Because he's de- he dealt with a very significant injury. And I think him coming back for this game is a really good kind of just litmus test for like, this guy cares a lot, right? Like he doesn't come off that way. If you listen to him talk, he's very subdued. He doesn't have a ton of energy in his voice, but he wanted to be back. And the the fact that he wasn't able to be back was killing him. And he came back in a game and, you know, it's not going to end up getting the Saints to the playoffs based on what I've seen here. Yeah, I think the, the Packers finally finished off that just route of the Vikings, 41 to 17, the worst 12 and 3 football team of all time, or 12 and 4 now, rather. And so the Saints win over the Eagles doesn't even matter in the sense that the Eagles have now clinched the top seed in the NFC, right? Although, I don't even know if that's true. It's still confusing because they could actually lose the top seed if they lose and the Cowboys win the division, in which case I think the Vikings would actually be in line for the top seed. Maybe the 49ers. I don't know. It's crazy. The NFC playoff picture is crazy. And when the Saints actually lost this game, and I know I said I was going to play Marshawn, but the Saints actually lost this game, I tweeted, oh, they're done. And then I found out within like 30 seconds, like, oh, wait, no, there's this backdoor way that they can get into the playoffs. No, they are eliminated from the playoffs now. That's why I waited until that was over before I came on here, just so I could have the right level of despair in my voice. But this is Marshawn kind of talking about getting back, dealing with that injury he had. Uh, It was hard. It was hard because I've been back to practice for like two weeks. 
and I just didn't feel it, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I was mad about that, camping on me, saying he need me and everything. So, you know, it was just, I got to get out there, you know. Really, it was just like a leap of faith with this one. Like, I still felt it a little bit, but, you know, I had to be out there on my team. You know, that's it. One of the issues that Marshawn was dealing with is you have an internal injury. It's not like you can just kind of like take a look at it, have a trainer check it out. Now you got to do like imaging tests to have any idea what's going on in there. And then it's going to be a question of, can you take hits? What's going to happen when a guy comes full speed and barrels into that area? Are you going to go down again? Are you going to make it worse? Right? So you just, it's very difficult to come back from. But I think what you saw in this game, I mean, the Eagles had nothing. You know, this obviously the Gardner Minshew, Eagles, whatever. They put up 34 points on the Cowboys last week, a playoff team with Gardner Minshew. And they looked unstoppable at times on offense. They did not have a first down until the final minute of the first quarter in this game. They had but three and out on their first four possessions. If not for an interception late in the first half by Andy Dalton on probably a questionable throw, they probably would have gone into the second half without getting a first down. I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. I'm sure it's happened before, but I mean... That is a rare thing. And for a defense that has struggled to the level that it has struggled at points in the season, I think it's just you see a paradigm shift with Marshawn in there. You see a confidence shift with him in there. Um, you know, Devontae Smith ended up leading the Eagles in receiving with uh, nine catches, 115 yards. I actually had him in fantasy, and I won my fantasy title, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, the uh, Salt Lake Gritties took down the, uh, the Bishop Sycamores, which, you know, dated reference. I don't get why he's still going with that. But either way, you know, Good for Devonte. He actually, I, I don't know if he outscored Gardner Minshew in fantasy, but it was close. A.J. Brown had four catches for 97 yards. 78 of those yards came on one play. And that's kind of the one gripe I have of how the Saints managed the cornerback rotation in this game. And it, I'm not saying like I want to see Paulson Adebo benched or anything like that, but I do think that you know, you're going to get through this season and you're not going to make any major changes in week 18 and because you're going to go into the offseason and you want people to be comfortable in what they're doing, and I, and I get that. But you're going to go into next season, and I think you're going to really dive into the film and then what's developed throughout this season, and you're going to say, you know what, we can't keep Elante Taylor off the field, right? Like, we need Elante Taylor out there starting across from Marshawn. And so you're going to say, okay, what do you do with Paulson? You got to get him out there. He's a great player. How do you get him on the field? And I think you're going to end up shifting Paulson into the slot. And I don't know if he's going to like it, but I do think when he starts doing that and he kind of, you can see his open field tackling ability and his short area coverage ability kind of stand out, it's going to end up being the best thing for him long-term. And so, yeah, I think that was my, that's my criticism because you've seen in games, right? This isn't the first time you saw this. Last year, if you go back to that Falcons game, the, you know, a game that if the Saints win it, they're in the playoffs, Right. Uh, Saints go down, they come back from, I think they were 18 points down. They come back, they take a lead in the fourth quarter. First play from scrimmage, Cordero Patterson just catches Paulson leaning the wrong way in uh, in man coverage and goes over the top. Big play, Falcons end up winning that game, right? You, you, that game goes differently, that result ends differently. Saints are in the playoffs. That's how close it was. This year, week 13, Mike Evans matched up one-on-one. In another universe where Marshawn's healthy, Marshawn's on Mike Evans, and he's in jail, and that never happens. In this game, it was Paulson Adebo, who ends up fouling at the goal line because he got beat. And it's like, why is he one-on-one? And like, why can't you cover Mike Evans, right? you got to be able to stand up in that situation. And, you know, obviously the Panthers didn't today against Mike Evans. Like, he had 200 receiving yards. But either way, I digress. You know, Paulson has shown that in big moments like that, he's, he kind of 
he struggles on the outside. He just, I don't know. And today you saw that against A.J. Brown. Now you could say, yeah, A.J. kind of grabbed his arm and kind of shoved him out of bounds, whatever. It was subtle. He got away with it. You got to be tougher than that when you're when you're when you're playing. And he had already gotten beat. Like you can you can say there was a foul there, but Paulson got beat. The reason it was a touchdown is because he got kind of chucked out of bounds. It's like he got beat either way, and it just it's happened too many times. And you know I think there's a there's a confidence thing, and there's just you know like a natural ability thing. And I think he he fits inside better. And uh, here's what here's what Da had to say on kind of that rotation as the game developed. Yeah, well, look, we like a lot of what Alante's been doing. We like a lot about what Paulson Debo's been doing. We like a lot about what Marshawn Lattimore brings. You know, these are good problems to have. Um, and so, um, look, we felt like that was the, the game plan going in. And, you know, I, I feel like we played pretty well defensively today. So I feel like that, that kind of worked in our favor today. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Alante Taylor, I don't know. How, I'll have to see the snap counts to see how much he actually got on the field. Um, but, you know, Paul Sandibu had six tackles, one pass defensed. Marshawn Lattimore had six tackles and had an interception, two passes defensed. And, you know, it's, it, I think the Saints did play really well defensively today, right? But that can be undone really quickly when you allow a 78-yard touchdown, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you got three three and outs to start the game. Suddenly, it is a 13-10 to 10 game because you got beat down the field. Like, it, it can change in one play, and you can't allow that to happen. You can't have those that big of a mental lapse in that situation if it's going to be an elite defense, which it has to be. So, you know, I think I think that's something you're going to get into the get into the postseason kind of thinking about. But it, at the end of the day, this was a good team that beat a good team, and the only difference is this: it took the Saints ten weeks to kind of identify how they could win football games and to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And there's good things to be said about that. And there's bad things to be said about that in the sense that this should, this is a team that should be in the playoffs. Full stop. You even had Daryl Johnston who dropped a Demario Dawson on us. I don't know if anyone heard that. I think he might've been like mixing it up with Rosario Dawson. Do you know, like the actor and, but he went with Demario instead of Davis. He said Dawson. I don't know. Maybe he's a big Dawson's Creek fan, but even Daryl Johnston was like, I'm going to be disappointed if the Bucks make the playoffs because they're not good. The Bucs aren't good. Um, and, you know, that what, what you can say about the Bucs is you can never sleep on being up by 10-plus points in the fourth quarter because it feels like half of their wins this season, they have been down by double digits in the fourth quarter, and they found a way to come back and win. I think they were down 11 today. They scored 20 consecutive points or 20, you know, yeah, 20 straight points to take a lead over the Panthers. I think they were down 21 to 10. Last week against the Cardinals, they were down 16 to 6. Against the Saints, they were down 13 to 0. <laughs> so, uh, like that's three wins in the past six weeks um, have have come with overcoming a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter. So, there's something to be said for that. I don't know what it is, but it's frustrating because I don't think that team is better than the Saints. One other thing that we can talk about, and uh, DA can kind of tease it here, is the offensive line... And we mentioned this, the Eagles got seven sacks as the first team in NFL history to have six plus sacks in five consecutive games. That's, that's a step for you, I guess. The offensive line did what it could, right? And what you can say about them late in the game is they iced that game on their own terms. The Eagles kind of folded at the end there, right? They went for it on fourth and 22 when they could have easily punted. They had three timeouts. They're down 10 points. Like there's like under four minutes left, but you can, you can get the ball back. It's not the end of, like the game ends if you give up the ball at midfield in that situation, 
right? If you if you pin the Saints down at the five and you get them to punt after three plays, even if you don't use your timeouts, you're going to get the ball down 10 on the right side of the two-minute warning with the chance, right? No, no. They were fourth and 22 slinging it. I, I take it back. Not slinging it. He checked it down. Anyway, very strange. But the offensive line, they did their job. And uh, so you're talking about Landon Young, Josh Andrews, and Calvin Throckmorton filling in at those positions. Here's what D.A. had to say on the offensive line. Challenge. Challenge, you know. Um, look, I thought, I, I really felt like, you know, really after Ram went down, even well, really even the first half, I thought, overall, I thought we did a pretty good job. Um, you know, it became a little bit more difficult, um, you know, later in the game. Um, you know, I, I, look, I feel like, but I feel like those guys – you know, overall, with what they were faced with, I think overall they did a pretty decent job. You know, I think Andy would tell you there's probably a couple that he might have been able to step up in the pocket and, and you know, maybe avoid one of them. But, uh, but look, it was, uh, you know, it was, it, it was it was big for those guys to be able to step up and at least give us a chance. You know, and uh, and that was good to see. No, I agree with that. And when you look at obviously the the pass protection was tough. And this is a really difficult team to stop. They lead the NFL in sacks for a reason. You saw why today, even with Josh Sweat going down with that scary neck injury. He was hospitalized. Hopefully he's okay. Um, you know, the Saints managed to run the ball, especially in that second half. Alvin Kamara finished the game 16 carries for 74 yards. I thought this was one of his better, at least more consistent games running the ball. He didn't have any chunk runs. He had one 15-yarder. Um, but he was just constantly picking up four, five, six yards and uh, early on early downs. And that's when the Saints are struggling, they're not doing that. Um, Taysom Hill, 14 carries, 46 yards, only 3.3 yards per carry, but he picked up a lot of hard yards. He got a lot of first downs, and that's really you know what you need from him. Obviously, the like the Seahawks type game where he ch- he just sprints for an 80 yard score is nice, but that's really not the offense you need from him. You need him to be able to fall forward and pick up positive yards and pick up first downs in short yardage, and that's what he did. You know, Benjamin had two carries for 10 yards. I thought he looked quick. He looked explosive. David Johnson was nowhere to be found. So I think that's a good sign that next week in a game that, let's say, let's just say it, doesn't mean anything. I hope that you're going to see the kind of Eno Benjamin featured role to kind of get an idea of what you're, what you're looking at in him. And if you want to really bring him back next season, like that's what you need to figure out right now is whether he's going to be a guy you roll in next season saying, yeah, maybe he's our RB too. Because I thought he looked sharp. I thought he looked quick. Got one nine-yard pass. So, I mean... He, if he can be, you know, I, I, have a, I have a suspicion that Mark Ingram is not going to be back in town next year. And so you're going to want to do something with, with a young running back. And, you know, maybe he's the guy. So hopefully that's what you get to see next week because I thought he looked good. Adam Prentice had one carry for two yards, and it was an impressive one. It was just a single back, no, no blocker, just handoff, and he just plowed ahead for a first down on, a, I think it was third and short. Fourth and short. Was it the fourth down? I can't remember. Saints did go for it on one fourth down. And I did appreciate the mindset that they brought into it, which was this is the first drive of the game. We want to set the tone. We want to go for it. Because the Saints team doesn't really go for it in fourth, you know, difficult fourth down situations, right? They are more than happy to, to kick, to punt. And it's really just mind numbing at points where it's like it's fourth and short, man. If you can't pick this up, then the defense deserves to be on the field in short yardage. Like just go for it. Um, but they did that today on the first possession. They didn't on the second possession. They kicked a field goal. And I actually, I actually think that was the right move because. I do believe in momentum, even if analytics nerds don't want to tell you that there's momentum. I believe in it. I think he maintained it there. Um, you know, and on the receiving line, Rashid Shahid again, 
just was excellent. Six catches on six targets for 79 yards. Jawan Johnson, five catches for 62 yards. He did have that one drop, which was rough. It was on second down. It would have set the Saints up for a potential field goal. But I was okay with it because I think going up six points in the fourth quarter of a game is the kiss of death. You saw you saw Ohio State do it in the in the Fiesta Bowl. Was it the, no, not the Fiesta Bowl in the uh, Peach Bowl. The they they lost to Atlanta. I'm sorry, they lost to Georgia in Atlanta. Um, you saw the Saints do it against the Bucks, and I was just I had my life flashing before my eyes with another 17-16 loss. I think my head would have exploded, um, but they didn't. They didn't manage to get into field goal range, and instead they punted it. And I don't think I don't know if it was that possession or the next possession where Marshawn got the pick six, and I would much rather let my defense go and 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 force the offense to execute by their own goal line up three points than to give the other team a drive starting at their own 20 down six points where they need a touchdown and they will not settle for a field goal, right? Worst case scenario, well, not worst case scenario, but the most likely scenario when you are up three and you give the other team the ball down at their own five is they are going to be tentative and they are going to settle for getting into field goal range and think we're not going to risk anything stupid that will knock us out of field goal range when we can get a tie. If you're up six, that doesn't exist. It's fourth down the whole way, and they just have to go 80 yards with no time constraints. And that's advantage offense. So I thought that the Saints lucked out with Juwan Johnson dropping that pass. Either way, he had a solid game outside of that. He had a 21-yard catch. Rashid Shahid had the long catch of the game for the Saints, 58 yards. I won a prop bet on that with uh, Andy Dalton's longest pass being over 33 yards. Unfortunately, my other prop bet did not pan out because it was Chris Olave total catches. It was four and a half. Now, you would think after the first drive of that game, you know, you're in pretty good shape. Chris Olave only needs five catches to cover. He got four catches on the first <laughs> drive of the game. Now, he was targeted one more time, and it was the interception. Yeah. He didn't catch a pass the rest of the game. I lost that bet, which is feels like a bad beat. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris Olave, four catches, 42 yards. Adam Troutman, one catch, 16 yards on a screen. They finally ran screens. I think they ran three of them today, which is uh, probably season high. Uh, Taysom Hill, one catch for nine yards. Alvin Kamara, one catch for seven yards. And then Adam Prentice, one catch for four yards. He's a guy who's been used a lot lately, but I think he's, he's played pretty well. Mario Davis led the Saints in tackles with seven. Then you had a bunch of guys with six. Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Daniel Sorensen, Caden Ellis, Cam Jordan had five tackles. We're going to get into Cam in a second here. But yeah, and uh, let's see. the Miles Sanders, it seemed like he should have 150 yards the way he was running in that second half. He actually ended up with only 12 carries for 61 yards, and a majority of that was obviously in the second half. I think they underused him to a great degree in the second half of that game. Boston Scott, friend of the program, two carries, six yards, great in Rocket League as well. Gardner Minshew, one carry for zero yards. But the number we're going to talk about now is sacks because Cam Jordan, Mr. Cam, he set a record for the Saints today. And uh, let's let's just play some audio here. Here's uh, DA talking about Cam setting the record. Does that mean I'm a big part of it? <laughs> Cam won't let me take credit for it, but I'll tell him I'll take a little credit. Uh, no, that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, you know, Cam's been a, a, a great ambassador for our organization, for the entire National Football League. Uh, he's been a great player. Um, 
and, and probably an even better person. And, and so I couldn't be happier for a guy, and, and uh, uh, it's an awesome accomplishment. Yeah, so Cam went into the day two and a half sacks behind Ricky Jackson for the Saints franchise record with 115. He ended up with three on the day. And the funny thing about that is he actually didn't know when he set the record because he wasn't sure what his actual numbers were. And and it makes sense because when you get sacks, it's not like there's a big sign flashing that says sack one, sack two, sack three. It's like, oh, sometimes it's a tackle for loss. Sometimes it's a half sack. Sometimes because someone jumped on late and they take it away from you. Like, for example, Carl Granderson and Caden Ellis both had a, half, a sack and a half each. And so the Saints had six total sacks. Now, Caden Ellis almost stole Cam's last sack. He fell off and... Uh, that's when he got it. But as Cam explained it, he didn't actually know he set the record until after the game. No, no, because I didn't know if they gave me sack number one. So I thought technically that was two. I needed another one. It was that, you know, that third and one. He, I wrapped him up and he sort of fell. And I was like, ah, what was that? Because he went for the pass. But, you know, sometimes they don't give it to you in that limbo. I'll take those. I'll take those. I wish I could have, like, the Michael Strahan freebie. But <sighs> it is what it is. Yeah, and so obviously he, he tied Ricky Jackson – and he ended up doing it in six fewer games than Ricky, which you know, I think is a testament to a guy who's always available. Um, you know, he did it in one fewer year and six fewer games. Uh, and it's just, you know, he's he's a guy who's going to be in the Saints Hall of Fame. I think he's going to be in the, the Big Boy Hall of Fame as well right next to Ricky. I think he's had that great of a career. Um, and it's just it's just cool to see. He's just a guy who works. He never stops working. Um, and I, and I think that's, that's kind of a, kind of a neat thing to see happen. Um, the other record that we still haven't seen set, I thought we were going to get it, but they gave Taysom the touchdown run instead. Alvin Kamara still, still sitting on 72 career touchdowns. He needs one more to pass Marcus Colston for the Saints all time record in that department. So maybe, maybe even if they give the Eno Benjamin game in week 18, you'll still, you'll still let Alvin vulture a, uh, vulture a touchdown. Well, I, th- I think I think we executed, you know. Um, look, I think there's a lot of talk about Taysom. I, th- I think we got Taysom involved early. I think we got Taysom involved late. Uh, he's a big part of what we did in, in terms of helping us win this game. Um, you know, I thought we threw the ball pretty well early in the game. Um, you know, when we, we were we were good on third down early in the game. Um, look, it got it, it became more and more difficult as the game went on. You know, you're down basically what amounts to three starting offensive linemen against that defensive front. It's a tough deal to do. Uh, but I told the guys in there, man, just the way that they finished this thing out, uh, pounding the football there at the end was was really impressive to see, especially being down three offensive linemen. Yeah, and I think that in this game specifically, you saw the usage of Taysom that you want to see. Right, like you don't want him to be predictable, but you don't want to overthink it by not getting him involved the way that I think you did in Cleveland. And Da mentioned that it's like people have been talking a lot about this, and and it's fair, I think. But in this game, you know, you got him involved early, you got him involved late, as he said. You know, he iced the game, uh, and I think he had 14 carries. That's a career high for him. The Saints are now five and zero. In games that he has at least seven carries. I'm sorry, there's 6-0 in games that he has at least seven carries. And his team has won seven games. And in that game, Taysom Hill had an 81 yards rushing. So 
I think that there's a pretty good indicator that when you can get Taysom involved in the run game, it usually works out in your favor. Now, they did run an ill-advised flea flicker (laughs) in the fourth quarter. I'm never a huge fan of long developing plays with one route concept. And that's what that was. And, you know, the the Eagles did a good job. I think one of the reasons you run that sort of thing is because, you know, worst case scenario, Taysom can pull it down and make something happen with his legs. I think in that case, you're getting a little little greedy um, in a game that, you know, you needed to just close out. But, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of things that happened in this game and a lot of things that have happened in the past three weeks that you're going to go into the offseason, you're going to look at. And I'm just, as frankly, guys, like, I don't think this team is that far away. I don't think this season is that much different than last season in the sense that you lost a lot of winnable games and you kind of learned how to win late in the season, but it was too late. At least, at least in with a slightly different situation of, you know, Jameis didn't play as many games. And you didn't ever go off of Andy Dalton, whereas Trevor Simeon never really got anything going from as a, from a starting quarterback perspective where you didn't win games in the middle of the season. But I mean, when you look at it, very similar, very similar in how these seasons went uh, in terms of the quarterback questions, in terms of how are you going to incorporate Taysom, in terms of how is the, how good is this defense and is it getting better as the season goes on, and in terms of finishing strong. You need to get out of the blocks better. Um, and, you know, you're going to go forward next season. And I know we're going to have questions in there. We're going to hit that mailbag in a few minutes. I know we're going to have questions about, well, okay, they won a few games down the stretch. But, you know, that doesn't change anything. This team still needs to clean house. And what I need you to understand, like front offices are not looking for reasons to tear everything down. Right? That is a process that you only undergo if you have to. Front offices are going to be looking for reasons and for indicators of why this vision is going to work and what what you what is working and what you can do to supplement that. And that's what's going to happen this offseason. I think you're going to see changes, but you're not going to see sweeping changes. And I think, you know, what you've seen the last few weeks is a good indicator of why that is. And I know that that's going to annoy people. I do. Uh, but that's just, it's just the facts. And this team hasn't been nearly as bad as the sentiment would probably suggest. It's just frustrating, and I get it. But you're talking about seven and nine. You're talking middle of the pack. Like, this is not a bottom of the barrel team. This is a middle of the pack team that is one of three to beat the Eagles this season. Right? So, I don't know. Take that for what it is. All right, I'm going to wrap that segment up. We're going to come back with the mailbag. If you haven't already put your comments in there, throw them in, and we'll get to, we should be able to get to most of them. There aren't too many in there right now, so make sure to get them in there. I'm going to go to a quick break. I'm going to star a few of these, and we're going to come back, and we're going to run through them on inside black and gold after the Saints 20 to 10 victory over the Eagles land Eagles land all right stick around eBay Motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. 
brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Taysom again. Now he takes it quarterback to the left, and he takes it into the end zone. Taysom Hill. All right, we are back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer, and we're going to go into the mailbag for this one. And you heard Mike Haas and Deuce on the call for Taysom's touchdown in the first quarter, the first drive of the game, that he really set the tone. I think it was a 15-play drive. took about nine minutes. The, the Eagles, I mean... They barely had the ball. I think they only ran three plays. The Saints ran 22 in the first quarter. And a lot of that was because you just maintained possession. You didn't make any huge mistakes. You didn't get any holding penalties that torpedoed your drive. You didn't get any big sacks. It's just a great, well-executed drive. And it was finished off by Taysom. And, you know, there's a few questions about Taysom in here. We'll get to one of them with Glenn Illich. He means Taysom is a typo. I believe Taysom turns 34 next year. I don't think that's true. He's 32, so I don't know when his birthday is. But, yeah, he'll be 33 this time next year. Says, how productive can he be going forward the next few years? I don't know, but he hasn't exactly looked like he's been he's been slowing down. You know, if you, I think that age a lot of times gets construed with, like, Oh, this is at the point that he's at in his career, and a lot of a lot of times that can be true, but in a lot of instances as well, if you're a guy who hasn't been used that much, you know your your real age is not the same. And you know he started late, um, I believe, because he had to do a Mormon mission. You know, as that whole works out, I I don't know the details of it, but I know that when you come out of BYU, you're typically later in your age than you are in your career. Um, I think then that's what's going on with Taysom. So I mean. You know, he really didn't start getting getting NFL action until he was like 28, right? So like in that sense, I'm not I'm not as worried about his age as I am his health and he's been as healthy as he's ever been this season. I think you have found a way to kind of keep him I don't want to say like under wraps, but in situations where he's he's not as exposed, right? I think getting him more involved in the run game from the quarterback position as opposed to constantly running routes downfield and getting blown up over the middle of the field has been helpful. And, you know, a lot of his injuries when he's been a quarterback have been to his throwing hand. He hasn't had to deal with any of that. So, like, I mean, I don't think he's slowing down. So, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't see why he couldn't do this role next year, the year beyond that. You know, obviously when you get up towards your 40s 
you know, that's such to be difficult, but I don't think he's close to retiring. Um, so, you know, I, I think that he'll, he'll play for the Saints as long as they'll have him. And this is a guy who is having a career year, right? He just had a career high in rushing yards. He's the first ever non, non-running back to run for six touchdowns. I think he had set that record at five. Like, he's just doing things that no one else does. And so, you know, I don't know how long his career will be, but I don't sense that he's going to fall off anytime soon. Um, all right, let's go back up here. Charles Andrews with a question. Are the Saints still in a hunt in the hunt for a wild card? Now, I do have to admit, I was a little off base on this in some of our previous podcasts because I really just put it all on the Saints winning out and the Bucks losing out, when in reality there was this really kind of backdoor way they could have gotten in. But now with the Packers beating the Vikings. That is officially done because that final wild card spot is going to go to a nine and eight team, right? Like that's that's the math you're dealing with, and it's frustrating, but it, it's true. Um, like the Saints could actually tie the Bucks next week if the Bucks lose to the Falcons, which they might because they have nothing to play for. But even tied at eight and nine, the Saints would still lose that tiebreaker because as we've talked about the week 13 game and with the Packers and Lions both at eight and eight and playing each other that means that one of those teams is guaranteed to get to nine and eight which is a record the Saints cannot match if they were in a three if they were in a three-way tie right which would have meant the Packers lost to the Vikings and went to eight and nine and then beat the Lions then the Saints would have gotten in in that three-way tie, but that is no longer on the table. So, unfortunately, the Saints will play their first meaningless game since I want to say the end of the 2017 season. That game against the Panthers, well, you know, another game against the Panthers. That one wasn't meaningless in a different way because the Saints had already clinched and they were starting Teddy Bridgewater against Kyle Allen. And the Panthers actually won that game, but the Saints it didn't matter because they were already clinched. This is the the first meaningless game you have played since that meaningless game. So for some reason, it's just whenever the Saints play the Panthers at the end of the season, it never means anything. Which, you know, it's going to be a bummer for the Panthers because the Saints didn't control their own destiny. The Panthers did. The Panthers had a chance to just win two games and get in. The Saints don't control their own destiny and they're probably going to win two games and get in. Win a game they shouldn't have won and then go home with a chance to beat the Panthers. But they can't get in. The Panthers could have done that the other way. The Panthers could have beaten the Bucks and then beaten the Saints and gotten into the playoffs. But, hey, this is 2022 and the Saints are not getting nice things. Saints for life. Saints don't deserve to be a playoff team. They did this to themselves. A few wins down the stretch doesn't mean you keep your job. Saints upper management needs to do something. Don't be blind. But what? Like, what... What is your solution, <laughs> right? You're like you're just okay. Fire him and bring in somebody that's better. Like fire everybody and bring in. Like what does that even mean? Like do you have a do you, do you have a, a suggestion? Like what what makes you think that bringing in a new head coach will suddenly solve issues around the team? It's hard to find a head coach, right? Teams cycle through head coaches over and over and over again. Look at the Giants, right? The Giants went through. Ben McAdoo, Pat Shermer, Joe Judge, and now they finally landed on Brian Dable, who is, you know, it looks to 
by all accounts, to be a good head coach. But hey, Ben McAdoo went to the playoffs in his first season as the Giants head coach, and then that went to that went to shit. So like, there's also a scenario where you bring in another head coach and he's terrible, and then you're firing him, and then you're just in this cycle of bad, right? Whereas you're looking at a team that is still playing hard and you know is a couple of bad breaks away from being in the playoffs, and you're just gonna say, yeah. Pull the rug out. Start fresh. That's not what this team is going to do. Like, that's not being blind. That's just being sensible. Uh, I think there are strings you do need to pull. I think you should go hard on finding a young, innovative offensive coordinator who can give this offense a better, like more of an identity. I think you should mine the college ranks for a quarterback if you're going to run a quarterback-friendly college-type system anyway. So, like, why not do that? But... Those are two very different things. And no, I don't think this offense is performing at the level it needs to be, right? They should have been able to find a way to put more points on the board and win this game comfortably with the defense putting out the type of performance that the defense was. But, like, I don't know what, what you want me to say there. It's just there, there's people that want what they want, and you're going to continue to complain until you get it. 504 Co. DA might not be a good head coach, but we have to agree. DA is a defensive mastermind. I agree with this. But I do think that like there is some growth in being a head coach, right? Like you have to do something to get to get better at it. And I think throughout the course of the season, I do think you have seen learning on the job because you have to. And I think that he's doing a better job later in the season and he's connecting to players a little better. I don't know. I don't know. It's not an exact science, but you just got to figure it out. And um, I thought, you know, one of the th- <laughs> one of the things that I said this morning on the pregame show that I was really critical of is where's the pass rush? Where is it? What? Why has this not been a factor in games? And it was like snap of a finger. Suddenly, it's like, oh, Carl Granderson's eating Gardner Minshew's lunch. Cam Jordan, three sacks, sets a record. Like, you know, I, I think that that has been a missing element on on this team. And um, you know, part of it is the the secondary is is locking down, and so they give you time to go after him. Part of it's Gardner Minshew likes to extend plays. Part of it's the Saints. I think feel comfortable game planning against Gardner Minshew. They've already done it. Um, they did it when he was in Jacksonville, and they won 13-6, to and they kind of ruined his – if you want to look at it this way, the Saints kind of ruined Gardner Minshew's career because I think he was on pace. He was on track to kind of win the hearts and minds of the Jacksonville faithful, and he had won a couple of really, really good games, and he was playing really well. He got like an offer from a porn company. I don't know. It was weird. It's because of the mustache. Um, and then the Saints came to town – and I don't know if Gardner was ever the same again. I think they kind of gave everyone the book on Gardner Minshew. And they won 13-6 to six and they made him look real bad doing it. And, you know, he kind of just fell off the face of the earth. And then he's kind of, and he, he kind of reemerged with the Eagles. And then they, they show up and they do it again. Like, I think that Gardner Minshew, if, you, if, if Gardner Minshew had only had his game against the Cowboys and... Then sat back on the bench and Jalen Hurts came in and led him to the playoffs. And the only tape you had was him going ham against Dallas and just hooking up with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. His offense looks like it hasn't missed a beat. And then you're going to get into the offseason and all these teams are going to be like, well, hey, you know, maybe, maybe he is starting quarterback material. Maybe we can bring him in. Maybe the Saints might have done that. Right? I, I don't think that's out of the question. <laughs> but, then, but then the Saints show up and they, put, they have him put down the worst Worst possible Gardner Minshew tape. Uh, they probably the Saints cost him millions of dollars. I guarantee that. <laughs> Poor Gardner. All he wants to do is be a starter. 
Charles Andrews, I, I agree about not deserving. Do you think Allen is just a bridge coach to allow Peyton some time to rest and recharge? If not, what do you get for Peyton? Do we turn Peyton rewards into a high, highly drafted quarterback? I don't know if you can be a bridge back to the same thing. I think technically that would make you like a roundabout. Like a, like a, yeah, like, you know, like a traffic circle. But no, I don't think, I don't think that was ever the plan to kind of like, just like prop up the car and then have Sean walk around underneath it and then drop it back down. I think DA is potentially a bridge to another coach, but that was never the plan to, to put DA in charge and then have Sean come back. You know, whether that happens or not is another question, but I don't think, I don't, I don't see it happening. I really don't. It's just, that's, that'd be a really awkward thing to do. It would be really awkward for the team. It'd be really awkward for the staff. Would you fire the staff, right? Would you try to demote DA? That's not going to go well. No one wants to get, no one likes to be the boss and then get, and then get told you're not the boss anymore. So like, that would be awkward. I, I just don't see it happening. I, I, I've said on this podcast, the only way it makes sense to me is if, you know, Sean comes hat in hand with, with, with Tom Brady on his arm. You know, I think I, I could see that sales pitch being enough, but I think this team is aware that they can also get a very good return for Sean if they trade him and and that's probably what they're going to try to do as long as the market's there now the market might not be there this offseason and that's kind of where it gets interesting is what happens if the trade market doesn't develop and your best offer is like a 2024 second round pick do you just say yeah never mind do you it's like we'll wait until next year when these same teams are even more desperate when there's more coaching jobs available, right? Like I don't think Brandon Staley is going to get fired this season, but maybe the Chargers regress and they and they fire him and then suddenly Sean kind of cuz I think the Chargers is where Sean actually does want to be and I don't know. You know, is a team like Houston willing to part with the number 1 overall pick? I doubt it. But like would Sean want to go to Houston because they do have the number 1 overall pick and that gives you some really interesting options as a head coach in year 1? I don't know. But I think that's kind of where you're looking at. I think if you're the Saints, you are trying to find a scenario where you net at least one mid to early first and maybe some other assets behind that, maybe a player, or you are getting a a late or future first and then more premium assets, right? So if you're trading with the Broncos who have a late first that belongs to the 49ers, that's not going to be anywhere near the same as the 12 from Houston, which I believe belongs to Cleveland, right? So, or is the one coming from Cleveland. So like that's a different scenario. For Broncos, you would need, okay, you're going to send us more, right? It's not just going to be the late first. With the Texans, if they send you the 12, that might be all you get. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what's the? it's not the worst thing, right? Because you ended up getting an extra first and you have your left tackle who you feel comfortable with coming in for next season. And he's gotten a lot of good, good tape, good, you know, teach tape and, and good reps that you're going to go into the next offseason. Hopefully he can be in line to be the starter. And then you still get your first back. And the first you're given to the Eagles at this point, I believe it would be 11. If you go win another game, you might knock that down to 14, 15. It's, it's in that range. And so, yeah, I think that's what I, I still think you're going to end up trading Sean. Because at the end of the day, he didn't leave to come back. Like he didn't, he didn't leave to come back. And I just don't think that you're gonna you're gonna ask the team and everything to kind of accommodate this guy who's probably gonna want to leave again, right? Like this isn't the first time he's tried to leave. Like he tried to go to Dallas, he tried to do this and that. 
he he wants somewhere else. So yeah, you don't want to be that you know that spurned uh, ex that keeps taking them back whenever they ask, right? Tax Act. The Bucks aren't good. It's a question. And then a follow up. The Bucks just won the division. They are better than us, unfortunately. The Bucks winning the division does not mean they're the best team in the division. The Bucks are the best at coming back from deficits late in the game. Right? That's what the Bucks are good at. The Bucks are good at having Tom Brady on the team. If if you if you take Tom Brady off that team, that is a four-win team. Like, let's be real. Like, put Kyle Trask in, and that team isn't winning games. So, like, I get it. Tom Brady's really good, right? Tom Brady can do what he does better than anybody else, and that's why the Bucs are in the playoffs. But the Bucs aren't in the playoffs because they're good. The Bucs are in the playoffs because the NFC South is bad. And I think what surprised me about the NFC South this year was not how, you know, that the Saints and Bucs weren't, as, as weren't a lot better than the Panthers and the Falcons. It was that, you know, you expected there to be an upper echelon team, and there just wasn't. All four of these teams are pretty flat. All four of these teams had equal an equal opportunity to win this division. The Bucs won it because they were able to walk over the Saints as they forgot their foot from their elbow, right? They couldn't stand up straight, and the Bucs just walked through them. That's why the Bucs are in the playoffs. It's not because they're good. The Bucs are going to get torched in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> like, Let's just be real. <laughs> they are going to get annihilated. Unless they play the Vikings, then they might win by 30. Jerry! Jerry's here. We're officially eliminated, but I'm good. Yeah, I mean, making the playoffs would have been fun. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have gone well. Like I just said, the Bucks are going to get torched. The Saints would also get torched. So the Bucks are going to be the four seed, which means they play the five. And at this point, the five is the Cowboys. And I'm pretty sure they are locked in there because, yeah, the Giants can't catch them. Seattle or whoever's in that seven can't catch them and they can't catch the Eagles well actually no so that's where it's a question so the Cowboys could potentially catch the Eagles if the Cowboys win next week and the Eagles lose to the Giants now the Giants clinched today so they are where they are they're not going to have any motivation unless they really try real hard to make the Eagles day suck it's probably going to be the Eagles in the one seed which would mean the Bucks play the Cowboys in Tampa in the first round of the playoffs, and I think, I think the Bucks get get torched in that game. But we'll see. Either way, to answer the question, yes, they're eliminated. Did we need to see the Saints lose by twenty to the Cowboys? Probably not, but that's fine. Lonnie Lewis, who that? We glad Lattimore's back. Yeah, it's good to see Lattimore. I really like Marshawn. Um, I enjoy watching him play. And if for the reasons you saw today, like he's just that kind of player. Like he just makes plays and he shows up when you need a play. Uh, and that's when you don't have that, it becomes obvious. Ricky B, I hope the Saints play all the young guys in the last game to see what they have for next season. Yeah, so <laughs> I wish they had more. I, w- I wish the Saints had more young guys that they could play. You know, that's one of my bigger criticisms is, you know, like why don't you have a developmental quarterback that you can put in? Um, because you're not going to put Jamison <laughs> that's not the guy that you want to see more of, you know, whether they should have been starting him all along, you know, I I would argue yes, but he's not a guy who you're going to put in week 18 to get reps. Um, Because I'm not even sure, you know, I don't even know if he's, if he's fully healthy, like he's healthy enough to play. We've already established that. I don't know if he's completely healthy. So like that would be questionable 
in the first place, but you don't really have a third string quarterback. Maybe you start Taysom, but again, you know, you don't want to get Taysom hurt. So I think you're just going to end up with Dalton. And that's, that, that does annoy me that you don't have a developmental quarterback that you can put in there. But yeah, I think you're, you know, Eno Benjamin, I would like to see him get featured in this game. Landon Young, a right tackle, I imagine, is who you'll see because Ryan Ramchek left this game with an injury. Trevor Penning, I would like to see start at left tackle. I think James Hurst has had a solid season, but you really want to get Trevor Penning, the reps at left tackle. He's going to take some lumps, I imagine. Panthers are a tough team to, to debut against, but you the lumps are good. The lumps are teach tape, right? That's what you need at this point when you don't have to worry about losing the game. It's a preseason game in that sense. Uh, I want to see Elante Taylor starting. I don't, you know, it's, I imagine you just you put Marshawn Lattimore on the bench because why would you, you know, he's just got back and you're not going to set Pulse in the Debo. But who knows, you know, some other guys, right? Like maybe Kirk Merritt you bring in there. Maybe you sit Alave down because you don't need to see anything more from him. And, you know, you don't really have a lot of, you know, I guess, yeah, like as a Keith Kirkwood, like I, I don't want to, I don't want you to sit guys unless there are, there's people you need to see. And so those are, those are the players that I'd like to see. You know, I'd like to see maybe Caden Ellis start at, start at the mic, you know, see what he's got there. Um, because I think that he profiles more to a mic than, than Pete Werner does. Um, let's see. Are there any other positions? You know, maybe, maybe you try somebody, maybe try like Kirk Merritt out at kick returner. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Lewis kid, maybe, maybe Lewis kid is the guy you threw in at right tackle. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you completely. I'd like to see them kind of circle the wagons and bring in some of these young guys and see what they have. Um, I wish you, I just wish you had more of them. I wish you could throw a whole roster out there of young guys like the Titans did the other day. Um, but I just, I don't know if you can do that. Because what's going to be really frustrating is if, you know, you throw a guy out there in a meaningless game and they end up with a major injury that impacts their next season. And you don't want to have that happen for Marshawn. You don't want to have that happen for Olave, you know. And it's football. Like, you can't play at half speed. That That is how you get hurt. So, we'll see. Sean, if you fire DA for going 8-9 this first season, no coach would want to coach here. You know, that's it's a fair point. It definitely doesn't, it definitely doesn't project positivity to any future coaches, right? Like, I don't think... Like you're, you're going to set yourself up for a situation where, you know, you could find a coach, right? Like you're, you're always going to be able to find a coach, but are you going to be the destination that a coach wants to go to? Or are you going to be like the last resort destination? Are you going to be the destination for a guy that doesn't have any other options? Cause like, those are two very different things <laughs> and um, people are still shooting off fireworks. It is January 1st, 7, 13 PM, still fireworks. Let's see uh, if it gets to day three, I'll be annoyed. I, I agree with you. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't think it should happen. Frederick Wagner, the Saints played well this season, and most of their games were close. Luck was, luck was not with us. Yeah, I, I think when you get to the end of the season, and you, for, for the team, as they look at this, they're going to say, we're an 8-9 and nine team that should be 11-7, and seven, or 11-6, and six, right? Like, two games that you can look at that you should have won, right? Week four against the Vikings, you probably should have won that game. Week two against the Bucks, you probably should have won that game. Right, if Mark Ingram doesn't fumble, you probably win that game. So you know those are two right there. Um, Steelers, you're ten ten in the second half. You probably could have won that game. Bengals, you definitely should have won that game. You're up by ten points in the second half. Bucks, you definitely should have won that game. So I mean, you're talking about a season where you know went about as bad as you could have hoped it would, or as you could imagine, and you're still you're still right there. Um, it's frustrating. He still swept the Falcons, right? He still did that. Uh, but yeah, I agree with that.
Slugger, 225. We have many bright spots to look forward to next season with all the new guys peaking this year, not to mention can't guard Mike. Mike Thomas will be fresh and ready to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to be that positive in terms of Mike Thomas coming back. Like this was, this was his year to really kind of prove people wrong in that respect, and he got hurt almost immediately with an injury that was not related to his original injury. And that's disappointing because now you're just injury prone. Now, now you can't, what, as long as it was related to the ankle and it was like, yeah, he just can't get right from this one specific injury. You're like, okay, well maybe he can finally got that out of his system and now he can get back to being the Mike Thomas that he was, which is a very durable guy. Instead, after two weeks, you end up with a toe injury that ends your season. And now you're talking about a guy who just, you know, he just can't stay healthy. And and that's the same issue I have with Andres Pete every year. And like if you can't rely on someone to stay healthy, you can't rely on them. Right? Because at any moment you might be without them. And that's not a I mean, like I like Mike Thomas. I expect him to be back. I expect him to work really hard. And I think he will be very motivated. I just I'm not willing to be like, yeah, they're gonna get Mike Thomas back and he's gonna be this plus asset, because he just hasn't been able to be that. As frustrating as it's been, but I do agree. Rashid Shahid, I mean, I don't, I, it's it's mind-boggling how good he is um, at this point in his career. And with the, the limited reps that he was able to get, I mean, like, he, did, he didn't even have, like, a real training camp. <laughs> like, you give that guy a full offseason, who knows? I mean, like, I think his route tree is still kind of raw, and I think that's why he can be limited at times. And part of that is just not being able to rep it in the offseason when you have all the time and you have padded practices and you have, you know, thud tempo practices where you can kind of do these these drills that you, you need to kind of learn on the fly. And, I mean, it's remarkable how good he has been and how well he – how good he is at stretching the field. And I and like – I don't think the Saints have had that for a while. Like they had Deontay Harris, obviously, Deontay Hardy, I should say. I'm sorry. And he's a very fast receiver. I think he's going to be a free agent. I don't think they're going to bring him back. But like it's different between like being fast and being a target, right? Being someone who stresses the defense. Like you don't have to be the fastest guy in the world, but you do have to be able to present a target and you do have to be able to use that speed to stress a defense. And I think that the way Deontay was able to use it was was effective in moments and against certain coverages. I think Rashid, with the size, he's six feet tall, he's only going to get stronger. You know, the way he can create space and be a target with a big catch radius, that's, you know, that's not something you see. Like, the fact that he went undrafted is because he tore his ACL in the final play of his college career. Um, and so, yeah, I mean... But with him and Olave, you, I mean, you went a long time without feeling like you had a good young core of wide receivers to put around Mike Thomas, and now you have those two guys. And and I think Alante Taylor, too, I think he's a guy who you, sh- who you should feel really confident about. Sergeant Stickman, I don't know if it's Sergeant Stickman or Sergeant Stickman, says he has a good feeling about next season. And I mean, I, that's the thing, is you go into this offseason saying, we just won four games. You know, like, all of this negativity, and we... I mean, assuming you beat the Panthers, which I assume you will. Like you, you, you had this really difficult season. You went from losing Drew Brees to losing Sean Payton to to trying to figure it out at quarterback. You've you've found kind of this idea of what you're going to be, and you're able to win games down the stretch of a season. If they were playing the way they are now at the beginning of this season, they would be in the playoffs. 
And so you're going to go into the offseason. You're going to have confidence. Players are going to have confidence. They're going to feel like there's something to come back to. The big question you're going to have looming over you next season is what happens with Alvin Kamara. You know, if you had the, if you could go back in time and say, well, maybe we should just have him be suspended this year because <laughs> it's going to be bad. You probably would have done that. But, you know, that's going to be the, the thing hanging over your head next season is, you know, you managed to avoid a long-term suspension this season, but I don't know if you will next year. And so that's going to be something you got to figure out. But other, other, other than that, I do think that you, there's a lot of reason for positivity. Yeah, I mean, if you're the same, we we talked to the Eagle like we put. We uh, if you listen to this podcast, we talked to uh, Dave Spadaro from the from the Eagles Insider Podcast going in, and it was like, oh, is there any like, kind of nervousness that after starting like twelve and one, you might not even win the NFC East? He was like, nope, this team's too good. This team's too good, <laughs> and and I understand it. It's how it's how Saints fans would have been three years ago, like. Oh, you're, they're 12 and one. They're definitely going to get a top seed and get a buy, right? And they didn't. And so, like, yeah, I can, I can appreciate it. But like, I bet there's going to be nerves now. Now they should beat the Giants. It's the same team they beat by like 32 weeks ago, and the Giants have no motivation. Uh, but I'm still nervous from the Eagles. <laughs> Justin again. I would like to see Kirk Merritt. I had high hopes for him. He showed shows up in camp. I would rather see what he can do in this last game. Yeah, Kirk. I don't know. Oh, he's on the active roster. That's right. They did sign him to the active roster. So he will be available, and I imagine you will see him. I do think that his route tree is not as as uh, robust as it needs to be, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know who really wins this is anyone who confidently bet the over on the Saints' win total, which came in at 7.5 this season from Vegas. And they're right on it. They're right on it. And so that's who this final game is going to be for. It's not meaningless. It's not meaningless if you bet the over. Or, hey, the under. Because you're going to be rooting for the Panthers. Oh, man. All right. Let's get one more and then we'll clear out. Oh, well, that's nice. I appreciate that ghost face gorilla. Just Jamie looking like a sure bet that Davenport is gone after this year. Right? You know, I don't know. I mean, if you have the cap flexibility... Maybe you franchise him. You know you're going to be in a paying top dollar at that position, but I like he hasn't been a negative in the sense that he's still out there. He's drawing double teams. He's creating pressure, but he definitely hasn't earned himself a contract. And so I, I almost wonder if you know if you're the Saints and you're talking to Marcus and you're like, we can't justify giving you a four year so-and-so deal it just doesn't make sense and you know the market's not going to be there for you maybe you figure out a way to okay we're going to franchise you and then we're going to restructure this deal so that it's not going to hurt, hurt our cap which will allow us to get one more year out of this guy who knows the system and is a good player he's just had a down year he's been healthy this year which is a big question for him and then it allows him to make some money and kind of rebuild his free agent value and get another shot at the contract year because I do think that if he had been a free agent after last season, he probably would have got a major deal. I don't know if he's going to get that long-term deal based on – because teams are going to look at the numbers. Like You can talk about hidden production, and I think the Saints believe that when they say it in terms of like, oh, there's hidden production there, and and he's getting upfield, he's pressuring, he's creating havoc, and other people are benefiting from it, and he's just not finishing off some plays. And I, I think there is merit to that, but – other teams aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to sign you for the hidden production. 
You know, that's, I get you have one, half a sack on the season, but I know you've got more lurking behind the scenes. Like, no team's going to do that, or at least n- most teams aren't going to do that to the point where you're going to have a lot of options. You know, maybe one team is going to come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, yeah, we believe that you're this player and we just don't, you didn't show it this year. So I think that there might be a, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, there's a chance he comes back. I don't think if you're the Saints, you are going to extend him on something major. But there is there is maybe a middle ground where they could do Marcus a solid and he could do the team a solid and kind of figure it out from there um, and be where where I think it makes sense for him to be. So to answer your question, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's gone. But I do think it's a tough sell to give him any major deal. But yeah, here's one more. That, that's a good stat. Dal- Andy Dalton is 4-0 against the Eagles. Fail, Eagles fail. Go Frogs, right? All right, that's going to wrap it up for us here on Inside Black and Gold. I appreciate everyone who stopped by, everyone who left a comment, everyone who hung out. I always enjoy doing these. We've got one more game this season. Saints are going to face the Panthers at the Caesars Superdome. I don't expect it to be uh, at capacity, <laughs> but it's going to be a game. And, you know, uh, we're going to, uh, if you if you bet the over, let me know, and uh, I'll, I'll root in solidarity with you. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.